Welcome to Fitness in the World with Benjamin Kasanji. We think that righteous living is irrelevant. But you see, he's saying that his grace which has appeared to all men, his grace which brings salvation has appeared to, has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that it is his grace that teaches us this, that we should live soberly, righteously, yeah, so you can be righteous, but you're not living righteously. Living righteously is right living. Praise the Lord. Now, right living, right living proceeds from righteousness, understanding righteousness. Acting right does not mean you're righteous. Righteousness is given to us. It is a gift that is given to us. Jesus gave up his righteousness and took on our sin nature so we can receive his righteousness. But his righteousness should produce right living in us. And on Sunday when I was sharing about bearing fruit and I said it starts with us as individuals and we saw the fruit of the spirit. He tells us what the fruit of the spirit is. The fruit of the spirit has a lot to do with character. Praise the Lord. It has a lot to do, a lot to do with character. The fruit is different from a gift, the gifts of the Spirit. Many times people will speak about the fruit and gifts and uh, they will put down gifts and they will elevate, elevate what? The fruit. Gifts are put down and they will elevate the, the fruit. But they are different. None is meant to put away the other. They are all important. Praise the Lord. Somebody will say, oh, fruit is more important than gift. I don't think so. Praise the Lord. There is a place for gift. Hallelujah. If somebody needs a word of knowledge, you can be as kind as you want. You can, you can, you can be all the fruit you want to be. If it is a healing that they need, you can be whatever you want to be, but the gift is needed at that time. And the opposite is true. The fruit, nothing can replace the fruit also. Character. It is the fruit that will sustain us wherever we are. It is the fruit that will sustain us where God has called us to be. Praise the Lord. And many times as we see the fruit of God in our lives, our eyes are open to see his grace. We really see that it is by his grace. And it does not make us feel like his grace is weak. It just makes us feel like we are privileged. How many times the devil would have put us out? Praise the Lord. How many lusts, desires of the flesh, lies of the devil that we were drawn to and we didn't even have any willpower to say no, to say stop. But you see, as we gave ourselves to God, we yielded to God, we started seeing fruit in that area. And then you look back and you're like, if I had continued on that path, it would literally be detrimental. It would be bad. It would be disastrous. But his grace came and opened my eyes. And now I am bearing fruit in this area. I am seeing improvement in this area. I am seeing growth in this area. And it is for my own good. It is because of the path that God is setting me on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now if God has called us to bear much fruit, then it's definitely going to start with fruit in our lives. And you see, the fruit in our lives begins by us receiving the word of God. He's told them, you are cleansed. 
you are cleansed by the words that I have spoken to you. You are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. And he said, his word, my words are life and spirit. I'm not saying their life and pleasure. Others are saying their life and death. <laughs> <laughs> life and truth, life and whatever. Yeah, He said that the, his words are life and spirit. And then he comes and tells us in Romans not to walk according to the flesh. Yeah, He says that we should walk according to the spirit. And that teaches us something. That if, he's, if his words are spirit, then walking according to the spirit is walking in his word. As long as you're walking in his word, you're walking in the spirit. You walk by his word. And he says, if we walk by the spirit, we shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh if we walk by the spirit. And it is true. It is so true. You and I can testify that every time we seem to go off and get into funny, funny things, it is because somehow in that time of our lives, the word of God was not very high priority. We chose pleasure. We chose, we chose certain things over the word of God. And even when the word of God came, maybe the Holy Spirit reminding us in our hearts, this is how we tried to silence it. We tried to suffocate it. We tried to numb ourselves from hearing it. At times until it got to a place where it was too bad. We had nothing we could do about it. It was so hard to reverse the situation. But you see, from now, this time that we are praying and fasting, that is something that we should look at. That is why we should take on this challenge seriously, to read the Bible, that it is a discipline. David says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. How shall a young man keep his ways pure? By taking heed of the word of God. That his word has that power. His word cleanses us. And his word cleanses us. He, he talks of cleansing us from all unrighteousness. But he talks about, in Hebrews, he talks about his word cleansing us also from, I mean, he talks about, in Hebrews, he talks about the blood. And he says, almost everything is purged by the blood, yeah? cleansed by the blood. He says almost. And you see many times you wonder why does he say almost? Yeah? There is uncleanness that the blood does not cleanse. It is the washing of the water of the word that cleanses. He says that almost all things are cleansed by the blood. Almost. Yeah? Almost all things are by the law. Purged with blood. Almost. In other words, there are those that are not. Almost. And so some of these things that are not purged by the blood are not necessarily seen, but they are uncleanness. There is uncleanness that may not be seen. But you see, if that uncleanness is not dealt with, it is eventually going to get to become sin. It is going to result into sin. Praise the Lord. I hope this is making a lot of sense. Yeah? These uncleanness, I've given you an example of uh, imagine you're seated in a matatu and you just you didn't choose to you didn't choose that those people should be in the matatu 
But you just hear people speaking funny things in the matatu. You get what I mean? Maybe gossip about somebody, uh, like something that is so bad. Just because you've had it, uncleanness has got into you, but it is not a sin that you had it. But if it stays there, eventually you may sin. Praise the Lord. If they are speaking bad against somebody and you keep it there, it is going to incubate, it is going to grow. Eventually, that day you meet that person, there is a way you react towards them. Or you start speaking to some other people and you speak bad about this person and you can't even remember where this bad attitude about them came from. But it is because there is uncleanness that was not dealt with. It came in and it was not dealt with. It is the same thing with immorality. A lot of immorality, a lot of fornication, adultery, begins with uncleanliness. It does not begin with sin. I thought uncleanness comes. Praise the Lord. Maybe you watched something you're not meant to watch. You get what I mean? Maybe you, you listen to something you're not meant to listen to. You get what I mean? Like you just listen to something and that thought just kept there. You, at times you didn't go for it, you didn't intend to look for it, it is not what you are looking for. You said, oh, there is a good movie here, you just went to watch a movie. And you see, there are these scenes that are dirty and what, and you went for a good movie, you are not going for that scene, you are not looking for that scene, and eventually that uncleanness is in your mind. And it starts growing, it starts growing, it starts growing, and it grows into something so big, grows into a real monster. You can't even remember the inception of this particular sin you're committing, but it was committed from, you know, just a thought, curiosity, something like that. Praise the Lord. I remember, you know, getting into pornography, it's just hearing people talk about pornography at first. You get what I mean? Yeah, people in the dormitory just talking about it. And you see, by people talking about it, it didn't mean I was into pornography, but I had and left uncleanness in me. You get what I mean? And curiosity starts growing until an opportunity avails itself, until it leads to other things. Now, it says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. You are cleansed by the words that I have spoken to you. You are clean because of the words that I speak to you. He tells the disciples that. So a lot of this uncleanliness, by us staying in the word of God, we are washed by the word. Which is, the, which is the water, he says, by the washing of the water of the word of God. Now that word makes us clean. Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. He said, I don't read a newspaper. And he was asked why. He said, I don't read a newspaper because every time I get in a newspaper, I come out dirtier than I went in. But every time I get in the word of God, I come out cleaner than I went in. Praise the Lord. That every time I go into the word of God, because it is that, it renews your mind. Renewing your mind is washing away every clutter, every, every evil thing that the devil has put in there. That your mind is washed by the word of God. The word of God washes us. That is why he commends them to his word of grace. That is able to build them and give them an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. That his word of grace is able to do that. As we spend time in his presence, praise the Lord, that in his presence, in his anointing, the word that we've read, the preachings that we have listened to, 
they become a reality. They become a life to us. And I believe we can get to a place like Job got and said, Thy word, like I've esteemed your word greater than my necessary food. That is what we are doing during this time of fasting. We are putting priority on his word. I'll not have lunch. I'll not have breakfast. I'll not have evening tea. I'll not have this meal. Why? Because his word can be my meal for today. His word, I can take his word. And that is why whenever we are fasting, we should read the word more than we do anything. There are things that, there are things that, uh, there are things that challenge us as human beings. Praise the Lord. And all these things, on Sunday I was giving you the testimony of uh, Reverend Patrick's testimony. I was telling you it is that, just clinging to the word, being in the word, and it changed him. Some of us may be in places where we wonder, even people watching, not just these that are here, but you may be in a place where you wonder, how did I get in this pit? And how do I get out of this pit? It may be a pit of addiction, it may be a pit of uh, condemnation, it may be... You know, at times you even know the truth. You get it? It's just like if somebody is in condemnation, they know the truth. They know what the word says about... Especially if they've been in church, they know. There is now therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. But it just feels like they can't shake off that condemnation. They can't shake off that guilt. How did I get into that place? How do I overcome this? Praise the Lord. And every time we are bound, that is the same feeling. How do I overcome this? How do I shake this? Now the word, renewal of the mind, works, it is by substitution. And when he says that if a demon is cast out of a man, that same demon will come later and check on that house. If that house is clean or vacant, that demon left and that void was not, was not filled, he says that demon will go and get seven others and will come back and enter, occupy this house. And the state of the person will be worse than, than it was before. And that is what we've seen many times when we give in to sin. You get what I mean? Like, you know, I'm using a lot of, like, let me say, okay, drugs, immorality, whatever indulgence that we may talk about. Praise the Lord. I remember the very first time I smoked, it was so hard to smoke. It was even so hard to go and buy a cigarette. But then I'm wondering, I'm like, hey, the world is looking at me. You know, I'm like that shopkeeper is going to see me. But you know, she doesn't even know me. I don't know them. But you see, my conscience was still alive. My innocence was still alive. Like I just, I, I, you know, I could not just imagine even somebody hearing me say, Give me, I don't know if even in Kenya, sportsman is in Kenya. Yeah, I could not imagine <laughs> to say, give me sportsman. Yeah, give me Rex, you know. Like I could not just imagine that coming out of my mouth. You get what I mean? Conscience still alive. Then you see, meditating on it, incubating it, incubating it, incubating it until I'm like, no. Come what may, I'm going to do it. I don't care. And still there is a little of embarrassment, so you know. And you know, after smoking, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to uh, go, I don't want this, I don't want to leave. You know, like, you know all that. But you know, uh, still think about it, think about, think about it. Then eventually just start getting into it, getting into it, getting into it. Until I started wondering, how did I get here? You know, 
Like even if I'm not addicted, this is my desire. I feel like it's a cool thing to do. How do I get there? But you see, maybe after this very first time that I had smoked, if I had given myself to the word of God, you get what I mean? That vacant house, because when I pray and repent and do all this, the house becomes vacant. That desire is withdrawn. That thing is taken away. But because there is nothing to replace it, nothing has filled it. And many times that is what happens when we get in trouble and we come and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. When we say that, now we should fully give ourselves to the word of God. That let it, as in just give ourselves to the word of God. Do it religiously like Smith Wigglesworth did and John G. Lake. Every 25 minutes. Praise the Lord. Yeah? If, if, if your notifications can be in vibration, put in vibration on your phone. Every 25 minutes your phone vibrates. You, you read a scripture. Every 25 minutes it vibrates, you read a scripture. You read a scripture. No matter what you're doing, you're in the middle of the meal. You're on the toilet. Many people waste a lot of time on the toilet. These ratsy toilets, you should start putting Bibles there. These ones are very small, but when we, we, we get our place, we build nice toilets and there's yeah, a shelf there. Yeah, the word of God. So this is precious time. Yeah? Some people go for so long. <laughs> like that time you would have read four chapters of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you're not losing time. No, you can multitask. <laughs> yeah, you can multitask. But you see, that is how we should become hungry for His word. Very hungry for His word because. Unless we are not really sure that his word can transform us. But you know, I can testify to that. The word of God can transform us. And to be honest, all my weakest moments have been when I have not been so serious on the word of God. Those are the moments when that devil almost took me out. Those are the moments you get into things and you're like, is this me? You get what I mean? Shameful things. Anger outbursts. You're quarreling with everyone. Like just funny things. You're like, what is happening? But you see, let's study it. Not to preach, but to grow. To feed ourselves. If you wait to study it to preach, it is too late. It is for more than that. That he will come and he finds this house vacant and he will bring seven others and the state will be worse. So you see, you smoked once because you did nothing. The next time you didn't even care. You fornicated once the next time, uh, you, the moment you finish, you're even planning for the next one. You see, initially you fornicated once and you're all in tears. You're like, wow, I'm disappointed. God, I've done this. And then that period of the house being vacant, seven demons came and filled you. Now this time you're doing it with a clear conscience. You want, yeah. And that is how sin works. 
But you see, we take the word of God and take it seriously. Like, let this be the year we are so religious about the word of God. There is a preacher who used to preach to us. He was, I think he still is, I don't know. It's been a while, but he, that time he was a pilot. Mm. The last time, actually, preached to us, he had moved. He was now working for KQ. He used to work for some airlines in, in America. He was, uh, what are they called? He was a captain, but there's something they're called. The ones who now train other pilots, like, for that particular airlines. Grown guy, but he knew the word of God. There's a time I wanted to invite him here. And that man preached the word. He demonstrated power. Full-time pilot. You know, he would preach way better than many preachers. He had libraries and libraries of books. It's like I call the depot ministries and I'm like, send me all the books he's ever written. Call Kenneth Hagin Ministries, send me all. Between flights, he's reading books. He's, and you know, the miracles. You know, you, you, I hope that one day I can get a hold of him. He was a friend to Bishop Isaiah. It's Bishop Isaiah who introduced him to us. The man was full of the word and authority. You know, you're like, okay. First of all, the world is in, if you're not in Christ, you know, you're a pilot and you're not in Christ, immorality is just lacking at you. Yeah, knocking at your door. Yeah, they have, you see, they, and, and you see, that is why many times when you're also physically weak, that is the time that the devil comes in. You're exhausted. That is why many men of God have been taken out when they are exhausted. They are most vulnerable at that time. Praise the Lord. Yeah, they are most vulnerable at that time. They've been going for a mission, a mission and, and all that. Then they're like... Now I'm tired, I can't even read the Bible, I just need to sleep, let me just get some house in Mombasa and what? And that's when you hear, oh, they slept with someone, so this happened. But this guy would read the word of God, he was full of the word of God, and he had built a big house in Uganda in a place called Entebbe. So he's the one who said, every room in my house has a Bible. Every room. He used to tell us, I don't build a small house, it's like my bedroom is big. He used to tell us, my bedroom is so big so that I can pace. I don't want to start pacing in two steps, you're kicking the wall. It's like my bedroom is big. He says, when I start pacing, that time I think 3D screens had just come. So it's like I've put a 3D far like that, I can see on my bed. Then he's like, his wife was saying, isn't this 3D? Is it spiritual? Is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it not? You know, there are things that were going on about these things being for devil worshippers and what. And like, and his wife was a, she, she was an elite. She was, she worked for World Bank. She was working in World Bank. So she was not a, a fool, you know. Yeah. But the commitment that they had to Christ and me was like, wow, these guys, he is a pilot. His wife works for World Bank. And the way they, pre I, at that time I knew I was called for ministry and for full-time ministry. And so that time I, I, I just used to measure myself. Even if I was still in college, I'm like, do I know the word like this guy knows? If he knows he's not called into full-time ministry, yet he knows the word like this. He has results like this. And I'm called in full-time ministry. 
I ought to be somewhere. Because he knew it. He had results. He had great results. Many, many testimonies. Different. He talked about there's a time he said he had landed in, a, in one of the airports. I don't know which one. So when he went to rest, like the devil came to him in a physical state. Like what? Like skeleton or what? But came on his back. It's like the moment I just laid down. Just on my back. Listen. And he said he got up and he shouted. But you know, he's read all these books by Smith Wigglesworth. He's read, as in his authority is just high there. This is one time he's also, he's walking, he's going to, he's going to, was he going to buy a car? But he was walking. And there was, in that, like that showroom or that, that place where they sold cars, there was a, a, a metal that was protruding from the floor. So he was putting on sandals. He hit, he hit his foot and the metal cut between the toes. She's like, in that moment, like, even in that moment, his reflex is to think about the word of God. Because, you know, it's like when such things happen, I think about what would the devil want me to say and what would God want me to say. So it's like now guys who are taking him around to buy the car are so surprised because when he hit his foot and he's like, Jesus, you're sweet. Jesus, you're sweet. So it's like people are like, which kind of person is this? They said he had gone to buy, he had gone to buy a Benz. So he said, he even chose, he's like, devil, now I'll even buy a, a, a greater one. I'll buy. Like he, he went and bought a higher class. He's like, just to glorify my God. Like just to glorify my God. And... I'm seeing this. This is from a man. He would. I'm telling you, he would preach. He would prophesy, demonstrate the power of God. There is a time he had come from a 16-hour flight. I think 16 hours. Yeah, like with with uh, whatever. But he was flying. I think from America or wherever he was flying from. So he had just landed because we used to have our camps used to be not very far from from Entebbe, from the airport, a place in Entebbe. So he just came direct from the airport and came to preach. He's like. He has the word of God. He's been, he's been there, but the word of God is full in him. And he came and ministered, and you could not even tell that this is a tired man. But he said that. He told his pastor. His pastor used to do, I don't remember what business or what. <laughs> so he said he called his pastor, and he said, Pastor, if you don't leave those small, small businesses you're doing there, I'm going to leave your church. Tell the pastor, sit here. Tell us what you need. Do you need a house? We will buy the house. Do you need a car? We will buy the car. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you need school fees for children? We will pay the school fees for children. For us, we want to hear the word from you. You can't be there selling small, small things and, and instead of reading the word to come and feed me. says, no. You can't be there doing small, small things. You should read the word to feed me. Me, when I sit here on Sunday, I'm expecting the word. You see? Not telling me about your small, small businesses. Yeah. So you see, they took his pastor out of whatever job he was doing. He really, <laughs> yeah, he made his pastor resign. He told him, no, yeah. If you have a financial need, he says, give us the bill. Don't be there doing, doing such very serious man. Very serious man. He got someone to build for him a swimming pool in his home. And they, they, they were overcharging him. They were not what. And he said, God, I have the Holy Ghost. He said he went and spoke in tongues. Then started speaking in tongues. Started speaking in tongues. And he started seeing the plan. And he drew the plan. And drew the plan. And drew the plan. 
and he took it to some architectural firm, guys who deal with pools and water and landscaping. And they're wondering, which architect, you, which architect did you go to? Which architect did this? Yeah, he said the Holy Ghost. As in that man, you know, at that time as a college student, he really showed me Christianity is so real and so, like, it is not just something you do in church. It is your everyday life. But this is a man who had read the word of God. He read books. He filled himself with the word of God. I told you on Sunday that as we fill ourselves with the word of God, the other weapons that the Holy Spirit takes to use. Because if the Holy Spirit helps us in our times of need, you're in battle. I'm saying spiritual battle. When you see on spiritual, I think this is a devotion I read by the navigators. The navigators had devotions, but there's one I read and that marked me. I was in high school. So reading about the importance of the word, putting on the arm and all that. So the navigator said, imagine you're there in a tough situation. Maybe it is a sickness or what. And then the Holy Ghost comes in to help you. So the Holy Ghost runs into your armor, runs into your arsenal to, to, to collect a weapon. Then says he goes on the wall and finds that there is just John 3.16. The Holy Ghost is like, this one is not applicable in this situation. You get what I mean? Yeah? It is like someone attacking you at your home and your, whoever you've had as your bodyguard there, your security guy. Praise the Lord. Hope he walks like Alex. Hallelujah. So imagine if Alex is in my home and somebody shows up. They show up with a 9mm yeah, pistol. And he's like, hey, pastor, where are the weapons? I'm like, go in that wardrobe. And he finds there a baton, rungu. <laughs> Hanging alone. <laughs> Do you think he's going to come back? <laughs> he's going to stay in the closet. <laughs> yeah? He thought he's going to find a shotgun there. Where, where the shotgun you... You cock it and you first blow that door. You know, and this guy sees that door flying. He's like, hey, <laughs> I better run for my life. But now with that room, how is he going to come back? <laughs> Shaking it. <laughs> but sadly, that is the case for many of us as Christians. That the Holy Spirit goes into your closet very excited to get some weapons. They realize for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And yeah, and the Holy Spirit is like, okay, this one will take you to heaven, but it will not save you. Yeah, like, it's going to take you to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right now. But this mountain you're dealing with needed some something else. So imagine if the Holy Spirit comes and you are, and that is why you realize that many times if you've been studying the word, you read the word of God, even scripture you've not memorized, as you pray, the Holy Spirit brings them up. So you just start praying like, you said this in your word. I am this and you know, you just weapons are coming out that are needed, and your prayer becomes more on point. You start seeing results. Praise the Lord. Because you are so full of the word of God, you are not vacant, you're full of the word of God. Jesus went, and when Jesus fasted, you see, he was physically weak. This was a time that would have made him vulnerable. You see, how did the devil come? Food, it is what he's starved for. And that is, what I, that is what I'm saying, that he comes during those times of people being weak. 
You get what I mean? People being weak. Ministers of God live in hotels when they go for missions and what, and who do they sleep with? The chef, the attendant. Why? Because that is when they were hungry. She was there serving them good food. They compared it to the one their wife serves. You get what I mean? And their wife doesn't garnish it that well. You, you get what I mean? Actually, their wife says, it's in the kitchen, go serve yourself. But you know, this one is coming. You know? Anything else? I don't know. We can change. Oh, it doesn't look nice. We can change it. Hey. And they are remembering home. Their wife is like, you, I wish <laughs> it's in the sufria. You can sort yourself. You can warm in a microwave. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah? And they become vulnerable in that place. So we are looking at Jesus. Jesus is like in a state where he could easily be vulnerable. Fasting 40 days, he needed food. And the devil comes with that. But you see, he was also so full of the word of God. So full of the word of God. Praise the Lord. So full of the word of God. And when the devil came, all he remembered was, it is written. It is written. Imagine the son of God quoting scripture. You get what I mean? Quoting scripture from Old Testament. Quoting scripture that Moses had written. It is written. It is written. Three times the devil could not take it anymore. It's good prescription. Three times a day. Hallelujah. And the devil could not take it anymore. And you see, knowing such things, when you know the word of God, you know, another, another place where men of God are vulnerable, it is pride, especially after we've had great conquests, great things, you know. You've had a powerful meeting. You've seen lemon walk and great things happen. Hey, I'm the man of God. I'm the, I'm the man of God. Why is my food delaying? You know, haven't you just seen what I've done out there? I liked something that, that, that really I read from Billy Graham, which was, I feel like it was wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I told you how they said Billy Graham read 15 chapters of Proverbs before he read the Bible every day. No wonder he was so wise. That man was wise. You should read his biography called uh, Prophet of Hope. There is one that is called Just As I Am. Yeah, just as I, there is one that is just that's the most famous. But there is one, a smaller one, called Prophet of Hope. Man, you will hear wisdom, as in you can tell this guy really reads Proverbs, because there they write about some of the things he is asked. Yeah. Should I give you a few examples? You love my stories. You're the right church to pastor. I like people who love stories. The, the, in one, he preached, one of his hardest meetings were in Britain. And you see even recently when the son was going back to Britain, you see two years ago when Franklin Graham was going, Stadiums closed on him and what like there's just been something about Billy Graham and Britain maligned and all that. So he goes and it is so when he goes, I think there are these students, you know, mocking him, making fun of him and all that. And a student comes in and hangs like in a window with one hand, you know, like the way a monkey would hang, yeah. Without their shirt. And he starts scratching his armpits. You know, to distract the meeting. Like, definitely, it's the devil. 
he was vacant. That man was vacant. You, you know what I mean? And then he starts shouting, sex, sex. And no, imagine how it distracts the, 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 the meeting. So Billy Graham looks and he laughs and says, brilliant. Without it, none of us would be here. And the meeting is called back to attention and he goes on preaching just like that. I'm like, wow. Thank God he wasn't charismatic. Devil, I bind you. You can fall in the name of Jesus. Fall down. <laughs> he wasn't charismatic. <laughs> yeah. Then another time he was being interviewed and he was told, you're so famous. He was really loved in America. He was so famous. You're so famous. He became like, like the most famous man during his time, like most famous in America. The people of America love you so much. Won't you, I, won't you run for presidency? Like, you should run for presidency. Because at that time, even media houses believed that if he ran for presidency, he would beat anyone. And he told them, he told the media, as in without thinking about it, without shaking his head or scratching it, he just answered, he just said, I can't step down. The journalists are just so startled. They're like, what do you mean you can't step down? It's like, the cause for which I'm living is more noble than being a mere president of the United States of America. Yeah. Imagine, like that, full of wisdom. Hallelujah. And there are many things, if you read that book, you'll see, but he read that book. Yeah, I mean the Proverbs he read and he was full of wisdom. Counsel, how many presidents, he was actually called president, I mean preacher in the White House. Because away from Ali Truman, from the time he was president, Ali Truman, Nixon, uh, Roosevelt, uh, Ronald Reagan, all those guys he used to be in White House, as in those presidents honored him. They were small in his presence. I believe that God is here to raise such men of God in this nation. Praise the Lord. I've told you we've seen it in Nigeria, or even seeing recently, even just for this Passover, you saw Pastor Chris. Two former presidents were there. Obasanjo, Jonathan Goodluck. They are there for the cash, to attend the cash, end of year cash. And sit and listen to the man of God. You get what I mean? It is about to happen here. And you see, as we get ourselves full of the word of God, you can't be full of the word of God and be irrelevant. Yeah. The word of God puts you up there, it elevates you. And you know, he was even, as looking at the interview when Obama met him, how Obama was a bit. You know, you would you would see that he is the child. He's the he's the small one. Because by the time Obama became president, he was Billy Graham was very old. By that time, I think he was even pushed in a wheelchair. He was not that strong physically. So during this time, he called for him to come to 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 the White House, and Billy Graham Billy Graham told him that he would prefer if Obama came to his home. 
since he's when Obama was taken to his home, he's there. Billy Graham had to, to make him, to make the tension go down. You know, like they want to hear wisdom from this man. There's a time, there are bombings that happened in Oklahoma. That was uh, 98, some bombings that happened there. And even Bill Clinton could not calm down the crowds. And they remembered, who should we call? Billy Graham. At least Billy Graham was able to talk to people to go home and, and all that. Full of wisdom. He read the word of God. One of the things that he did every after his meetings, when they had those meetings, crusades, you know, parking stadiums, immediately, you know, they get him from the meeting, the protocol team and what. When they go to the hotel, normally they go to uh, uh, like a big hotel suite where you know they could fit with his team like five people or a house you get what I mean so he's in his bedroom there they are together as a team I think it's good even me as a minister I would love that I would love to stay with the people that I'm ministering with and when he would get in immediately he would go and change his clothes and go to the kitchen that's the first thing he would always do you get what I mean? So that he's again looked at as just a human being who needs tea, who needs coffee, and he's hungry. Just like that. To, because you see, to, to, to avoid that attention that which would make him easily susceptible to pride. You get what I mean? All that was wisdom coming from somebody being full of the word of God. Praise the Lord. And you see, many times it has been the downfall of many. Because see, many ministers that we see, and we blame them, but ignorantly, people have puffed them, puffed them. Yeah? You know, it is like they are, they are throwing you up, throwing you up, throwing you up, until you reach the highest when they're like, ah, this is high enough, people. <laughs> um, yeah, we knew, we saw him, that he used to, he never used to greet us, he never, Kumbay, they are the ones who are pushing him up, 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 until a good altitude they can let him fall. Yeah. Then all of them look for the exit. That's when he realizes he was alone. All the people that set him up to this fall of his, they are nowhere to be seen. And they were there enjoying. There are some of the people he paid there, but they all live when that happens. So it requires wisdom. But wisdom comes from the word of God. We take the word of God. It says, my son, listen to my words. Yeah? Take them seriously. Pursue wisdom. How do we get some of this wisdom? It is by this word of God. Hallelujah. We get full of the word of God. Fill yourself with the word of God. The stability that you're going to have in your life, it is going to be so amazing. Even, even people around you will be, they will look, you know, the word of God, like I said, the word of God is referred to as a seed. And there's a time I was explaining that. Why is it compared to a seed? It is because a seed has process to do with it. Praise the Lord. So the word of God may not be microwave. It is not that today you've listened to it today and tomorrow your friends at work are like you're different. It may not be that. But are you diligent to stay in it? You're going to realize that that time you thought you would have saved by having a quick fix, you saved by taking in the word of God. Because you're going to realize that those who took the way you had wanted to take many years later, they are not where you are. And I've seen that even in ministry. Praise the Lord. 
I've seen that in ministry. And now you know here, we believe in gifts of the Holy Spirit, we believe in manifestations, we believe in prophecy, we believe in all these things. But you see, there is a time we thought that that was a shortcut. Let me just run and this man of God lays hands on me, then I'll do this. You get what I mean? Uh, let, me, let me just go and preach and preach and preach. I don't want to take time in the word of God. It looks like I'm slowing down. I'm not even just in ministry teaching the word of God. By the time God told me to teach the word, to do these teaching meetings, I've talked about that. It seemed like we were slowing down. Because see, by that time we were doing missions, we were seeing great things, we were seeing healings. I remember a meeting in Mwea during that time. Actually, uh, one of the people that were there, I remember if you were comfortable, you remember a lady called Naomi. She, one of these days, she was, uh, a few weeks ago, she was seated around there on a Thursday. I went to that church of theirs in, in, in Mwea. Minister there and had come, the power of God hit hit that place, gave prophecies to many people, prophesied to her mother how she was going to raise the dead and what. That very week a child died on that village there in Mwe. And the whole church remembered the lady who was prophesied to, to raise the dead. And they went for her and she raised that child. And that child is alive up to today. You get what I mean? As in great things happen. That's how she ended up in Ratsi because she came later. She's like, I know you don't remember me. And like, she's like, you came to our church in Mwea, and now she works in Nairobi. And she, she was telling me the stories, the miracles that were happening. You know, that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to go to, to those places and just keep, you know, I can't have a healing meeting every day here, if we say we're having, but you know, out there, I can have a healing meeting every day. I go to Mwea, it's a healing meeting. I go to Nakuru, it's a healing meeting. I, it's what I love. I just love to see healings every other time. But now here, God tells me, teach the word. You get it? When I go out there, I can heal professor, heal professor, heal professor, heal professor. Every day, everywhere I go, it looks more fun. Praise Jesus. But now God told me, teach the word. Sit here and teach the word. Speak to people like this. And it looked like we were slowing down. It looked like we were not doing the right thing. Praise the Lord. But now when I see testimonies like Pastor Mary Kelly and see the great things she is doing in East Pocot, that is a testimony to me. Because I remember the state that she was in. If I had not taught the word, she would not be the minister that we are seeing there. Maybe she would have been, but still having received the word from somewhere else. You get what I mean? It still had to take the word of God. Hallelujah. That today we can be here, our team is somewhere else, and you know, it is growth. So if I look back at him, like, I, if I had continued the way I had continued, there would be no multiplication growth like we have seen. It has all come because of the word of God. So many times the devil will lie to you that the word of God is slowing you down. And I know many Christians who pray but don't read the word of God. How many Christians? They go for cashers and You know, we, 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 we believe in praying and we want to pray for long hours. Praise the Lord. But we need to have both. I like, like Peter said, we will give ourselves daily to prayer and ministry of the word. They are both important. None substitutes the other. Prayer cannot take the place of the word. And the word cannot take place of the prayer. But you see, if they are both done so well, it is dynamite you have. It is like salt. What is salt? What is the chemical name for salt? Sodium chloride. Yeah? We know sodium is poison. And is also poison. If you take one, you die. You get what I mean? 
but when they are put together they are beneficial to you you can't even eat without without them you feel like this food is bad but if they were to be separated and given to you as separate elements they would be poison for you it is the same thing things that God has purpose to work together they will be poison prayer alone will be poison to you the word alone will be poison to you hallelujah he, Reinhard Bonke said it this way, he said, power without the word is like a bomb without a detonator. It's like a bomb you can't control. You get it? You even, you the maker, you have that bomb, but you don't know when it's going off. <laughs> you don't want that bomb. So that is power without the word. And you see, many times as we pray and what, yeah, we can generate power because we are praying in tongues and what? We can generate power. We will stand and we can demonstrate power like crazy, but it is a ticking bomb. And the word without power is like a detonator without a bomb. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah. Why do you have it if you... <laughs> you get what I mean? For what? But the two together work so well. And that is God's purpose. And you see, you will pray better with the word of God in you. You will pray better. But it is the word of God that is going to give us stability. In the 1970s, during the uh, voice of healing movement, headed by Gordon Lindsay, He had a platform where he had brought all these people, Branham, Jacko, A.A. Uh, Allen, all these guys. So imagine they would come, imagine a tent came to town, they say a tent is coming to Nairobi. A month of meetings. Who are the preachers? Branham, Jacko, A.A. Allen, Shamba, as in imagine like <laughs> all the healing gurus yeah, in the world, they're in one tent. And one time Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Hagin was a very young minister. He came and told them, you guys, when you're all done, I'll still be here. I said, what does this young man think? Who does he think he is? It's Texan boy. And he told them, you're building on gifts. I'm building on the word. And in less than 10 years, they were no more. He was still standing. Hallelujah. Very important. So when we come, soak in his presence, enjoy his presence, without the word in us, and I've seen this, even right now we've been speaking to somebody, and this has been an issue, I'm sure maybe they are watching, they're not in this country, but maybe they are watching, but you see, they were going to a ministry, and it is a ministry I love. I know this minister, very famous minister. Many of you would know him. You love the minister. Um, great in healings. You've seen him on seed growth and wherever. But you see, his ministry is not necessarily a church. You get it? His meetings are just meetings where people come and soak in the presence of God. They are prophesied to, and that's it then. He goes for missions, he does crusades, he does healings, he does impartation, activating people in their spiritual gifts. That's what he does. So now these people going to this ministry over a time, they start getting attacks from the devil. They start, as in their spiritual life is not, you know, they come and it's like a buzz, you know. You know, a buzz of drugs, a buzz. That is a K, an archaic word, yeah, right now. 
height, the height of drugs. You know, you feel like you, you, you know, you come for a meeting and it is like you got another, you know, you, you, you come for service and it is like you, <laughs> you know, that's how it feels. Then during the week you're beaten, you're there, you, then you wait to come back for Sunday, then you, you get another height, then that is not how it should be with Christianity. That's how it is. They come and just feel, oh, we saw angels. We saw golden dust. We saw this happening. We were worshiping with this. Important, very good. But that is not going to sustain you the rest of the week. Mm. That is so important if it came on to a life full of the word. That is what made the difference also between T.L. Osborne and many people who followed William Branham. T.L. Osborne, in his speech at Branham's death, he, you can get that speech on Google. Yeah? Believe the sign. Or you just put T.L. Osborne's speech for, on Branham's memory. Man, you read that speech, you'll feel the anointing flow through you. Wow. I had the excerpt, and I always said I should print it and put it in the office. Yeah, excerpt. The excerpt begins with, Thus the halo of, the, of light that appeared at his birth. Doesn't that show you that that is going somewhere? <laughs> that is so powerful. I read that thing and I'm like, wow, God, do it again in our time. But it says during many people sat around Branham, they observed how you see when, when he touched somebody who had a jump cause disease, how his hand would vibrate and turn red. Then when the disease is healed, the hand would stop and it would turn back to its color. And many people, you know, they longed for that gift. If he lays hands on me, I'll get that. They saw how, like, up to today, many people believe no one has worked in word of knowledge like Branham, as in his was at, at a level. If you see the things that happened in his meetings, and many were there waiting for that impartation, and many, T.L. Osborne came once, and he said once was enough. He came, no hand was laid on him, no prophecy was given to him, he just observed. And he said, this is what we should be doing. This is the Bible way. This is what Peter did. This is what Paul did. And he went out, announced on radio and newspaper, bring the sick. He had never laid hands on one sick person to get healed. And that place was filled. He took on one line, the wife took on one line. The first person he laid hands on was a lady who was, I think, pelvic bone had been removed because it was cracked in an, an accident. He laid hands on her, it was replaced. And every person they prayed for that night received their healing. And that launched them into the T.L. Osborne ministry. They went to Jamaica, 13 weeks in Jamaica, over 90 totally blind people saw, over 100 totally deaf people had, as in that's what launched them in their healing ministry. But why, is, why was it so easy that he came around Branham once and caught it? And yet there are people who are there every day carrying Branham's Bible, sitting with him, driving him, mesmerized, and they caught nothing. It is because before this moment, T.L. Osborne had given himself to the word. And in his longing to see the things, he read scriptures, he read the word. And you see, even after he saw Branham, what did he do? He went back home and they said with his wife, we made a pact to read the gospels like we had never read them. What he saw in the meeting drove him into the word. 
And he said, we went and decided to read the Gospels like we had never read them. And to see whatever Jesus said he will do, we will believe that he will do. Whatever he said we should do, we will do. The Word. So even when it comes to impartation, yeah, the Word prepares you to be fertile ground for impartation. It is possible that a hand will be laid on you and say, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will do this and you struggle for so long. Yet there is another person who will say, from the moment that hand was laid on me, things change. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. You've had Bishop Doug Heward Mill's testimony. How for is six years he pastored ten people until the pastors in that in Accra they came and told him, young man, concentrate on medicine. You're not called for ministry. Six years, ten people. Concentrate on medicine. But you see, during that time he was taking in the word of God, taking it. This growth that was happening that seems slow. And at times that is what the word seems when you're taking in the word. It may not seem like instantaneous. But you see, there is something great that is happening. As you're taking in the word of God, it is like you're building a foundation. People are wondering. You is not, you know, you're not all over. You're not, but you see, there is a foundation that is being built. Eventually, when such height has to come, you can stand it. You can support such height. So one time he's listening to the teachings of uh, Kenneth Hagin. He's listening with a cassette player. Then he saw something come from the cassette player and just hit him. And he had God tell him, now you can teach. Yeah, and in less than two years, his church that had been 10 people grew to more than 3,000 people. Yeah, in less than 10 years, it was more than 6,000 people. Right now, those are not the people. Those are the number of churches. He has over 6,000 church branches, not people. These pastors who told him he was not called, we don't know any of them. You get what I mean? The ones who had already grown, we know none of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see that type in the word, persistent, even with those 10 people, persistent in the word of God. That word was building him to give him an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Today we are in these nations, there is no continent that his ministry is not on. Now think about it, that is for him as a minister, called to plant churches. What of for you? What are you called to do? It is the word of God that is going to bring you to that place. First of all, it is going to give you stability against the wiles of the devil. When he tells us to put on the full armor, you're going to realize that armor is literally the word of God. You know. I've always told you, I found it so funny when I just come to Kenya, I saw a preacher on TV telling people to pray and put on. Now put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the helmet. In Jesus' name, I put on the helmet. I put on the breastplate of I put on the breastplate. I, I put on. I put on. Hey, hi friend. You can put on as much as you can, but just the way it is invisible like that, it will remain invisible even to the devil. That you realize that everything he's talking about is take the breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness? It is our righteousness. Knowing your right standing with God. That is only going to come from knowing yourself in scripture. He made him unirous sin become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Huh? 
he says that they that have received the grace of the gift, the, the grace of God and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. So you're like, I've received righteousness as a gift. And righteousness is the breastplate. So it protects the vital, those vital organs, the heart, those, the breastplate of, and it tells you, guard your heart jealously, out of it flow issues of life. So righteousness is one of the ways that you guard your heart. It is by understanding your righteousness. And many Christians are taken out because of not understanding righteousness, not understanding our right standing with God, not understanding that you can stand before God without any sense of guilt, inferiority, that you stand before God and you know, I am legal. Why? Because Jesus took my place. He made me legal. He says that the shield of faith that you may be able to quench all the fiery deaths of the enemy. So in other words, the fiery deaths are going to come. They're going to be shot at you. The deaths are going to come. But he says you can quench them with the shield of faith. Now what is faith? It still comes from the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to get that hearing that faith comes by the word of God. Then you'll be able to quench the fiery deaths of the enemy. By it comes and you know you can say, devil, you have no right. By his stripes I was healed. That is the shield of faith. You know what I mean? And he says, the belt of truth. Yeah, your word is truth. Isn't that what he tells us? Yeah, he's saying the belt of truth. The belt. What was the belt for? Somebody said the belt is to hold your trousers so that <laughs> so that yeah, so that devil doesn't see your nakedness, you know. <laughs> Your spiritual nakedness. It may. I think it's deep. That's deep. Don't don't laugh. That's revelation. Yeah, it, <laughs> it may be that that devil should not see your spiritual nakedness. <laughs> but the bills. You see, it's believed that Paul was in prison and looking at a Roman soldier as he was writing this. Those guys didn't have trousers. Have you seen Roman soldiers? They had skirts, they had dresses. So, and the belt was so high. <laughs> the belt, the belt was like a tool belt, like for engineers, for what, you know, where even up to today, if you see nicely clothed uh, military people, the belt is very, you know, that's where they've put their magazines, that's where they put the bayonet, that's where they've put their goggles, that's where they've put, everything is there. And you see, in case you're attacked and somebody pulls out a gun, you see them cocking. If you don't know your belt, you're going to pull off a torch and they will shoot you. Yeah? Or you'll pull the water bottle. Because everything is on the belt. And they will shoot you. You get what I mean? Then he says the belt of truth, that is the word of God. Know yourself in the word of God. When it is the torch you know to pull, you pull it out. When it is the sword, if it's the pistol, if it is whatever you need, you know how to pull it. That is the word of God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That can only be the word of God. Hallelujah. The preparation of that. You see, actually many people think that he says your feet showed with the gospel of peace. Not with the gospel, the preparation. It is the preparation. The shoes are the preparation. And that is the word of God. Let me tell you, not every gospel you're hearing is the gospel of peace. You really need to get into the word of God to know the gospel of peace. Anyone can say I'm a gospel preacher until you listen to them. 
Hallelujah. Realize there is no peace in this gospel. There is no peace it's bringing. That is not what he talked about. Yeah. The helmet of salvation. How are you going to understand your salvation? Hallelujah. Protecting your conscience. How does it deal with your conscience? That is understanding salvation. Understanding salvation. Hallelujah. Ah, thank God you got it for us. Now look, which trousers does that man have? And he says, each piece, put on each piece with prayer. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. It is also offensive. Yeah, it's the only offensive weapon that we see on this, on this armor. It is the only offensive weapon. So it is only the word that we are going to speak out that is going to be countering whatever the devil is throwing at us. And he says, put on each piece with prayer. So I think that's where they got it. I put on the shoes of preparation. I put on, they are putting on with prayer, in prayer. You get what I mean? I put on a breastplate of righteousness. I'm putting it on with prayer. Belt of truth. Putting on with prayer. No. You see, as we get to understand this word, now we do it prayerfully. Imagine now, I understand. You know, actually, if you're reading the word and you're understanding it, you know, no one will even tell you to pray. That's your, the first times I'm getting to realize my righteousness. Do you know what that would do to me? I could never finish reading the Bible. You know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to read Romans chapter 5. Then I just start being justified by faith. We now have peace with God. Hey, I'll jump from that Bible. I have peace with God. I have peace with God. God's love is shed abroad in my heart. I have love in my heart. I'm full of love. You know what I mean? Then you go to verse 8. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. So he didn't wait for me to become good. He didn't wait for me to be. He just came. You know, then you go to 7 and he's, he, he's, he's telling you how, how because of one man, 9, he says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I think that's 19. You know, then 17 is telling us how by that because of his grace and the gift of righteousness that we have received, we shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. I'm like, I'm called to reign. You see how you put on every part with prayer? Like you're just, you're just like, Rabba, I am the righteousness of God. No more condemnation. Sin shall not have dominion over me because I'm not under the law. I am of grace. Hallelujah. And put on every piece with prayer. And you realize, you see that effortless change in your life. Praise the Lord. So when you come and soak in his presence, there is a higher understanding of even what his presence is doing to you. There is a higher understanding of what you're taking. You can easily carry his presence. When we come and soak in his presence, it is like rain. The presence is like rain. You know what I mean? Let me tell you, there are many times it has rained here. Even when this road had potholes, you get it, today it has tarmac. By this time it had potholes and you would see soil, you would see maram, you would see real soil. And it would rain and those potholes would be full of water. You get what I mean? But there is no day I came walking here and I found a potato growing in those holes. As much as it rained, never do ever see potato, waru. Never do ever see. Yeah? Never. Never you ever come and find a pineapple 
Like just when I say, whoa, pineapple is growing here. Never. Why? I thought it was raining. There is no seed. There is no seed. You can come and soak in his presence all you want, but if there is no seed, nothing is going to grow. So when we say, when we want the Holy Spirit, when we say, what? Uh, Fall like fire, soak like rain, flow like mighty waters again and again. Sweep away the darkness, burn away the chaff, and let a flame burn to glorify your name. There is things soak like rain. But as if it's soaking like rain, it is so good that they are seed. There are seeds in the ground. He spoke to the disciples and told them, you are cleansed by the words that I speak to you. You are clean because of the words that I speak to you. And we said, there is a lot of uncleanness that may not necessarily be seen. But the entrance of his word cleans us from that uncleanness. Bad thoughts. Many Christians struggle with bad thoughts. I don't want to have these thoughts. The word of God can wash them away. And you see, like we are saying, fall like fire. Uh, I mean, fall like rains. Fall like fire. Soak like rain. We are saying, burn away the chaff. Sweep away the darkness. Sweep away. That the Holy Spirit is going to use the word that you have received to wash away that darkness, to wash away whatever is not of God. Then you become a new person. Even in your mindset, you become a new person. The word has done this to a number of people. I had over testimony, I know someone who killed, he was a sniper, and he was used by the government of America. And he killed people. And some of these people, you know, in his heart, he feels like they're innocent. But you see, it's because it is national security issue. or So he lived with a lot of guilt and condemnation. And he was haunted. Many times he would sleep. And you see, he just hears a gunshot. And he wakes up. And he would have nightmares because of this. He would see these faces. Because you see, the faces have been given to you before you're given the assignment. So he sees those faces and it really used to bother him. And he got born again and it haunted him for a while and eventually got in the word and got in the word and his memory was totally erased. He sleeps like a baby. He is free, totally free. He knows he's forgiven and he is free. And the word does that in our lives. He changes us. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we hold on to things that are in the past because I know we are born again. We are free. But sometimes we feel free for a time. Then the devil reminds us of certain things. Oh, we remember certain things. We relieve certain things. We don't have to. Let's get so full of his word. Let's get in his word. And we will see what the Holy Spirit can do with the word that he's put in us. We will see how results, fruit will come out of us effortlessly. Because as he waters us, as we enjoy his presence, as we enjoy him, we have seed in the ground. And seed is growing. If I have planted potatoes in a field, I don't need to check every day. As long as I'm watering, I'm sure they're going to grow. Actually, what surprises me is seeing some that didn't grow. But it is so obvious, it is what I'm expecting. As long as it keeps raining, it is what I'm expecting. 
if we are putting seed in our hearts during this time of prayer and fasting we are putting seed in our hearts this is what we are going to see eventually you will see that healing even for your parent you will see many of those things that have taken long because it is not just about praying for them put that word there put that seed there and when the presence comes it is like rain coming over Ashamba. hallelujah